Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Batter Listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 97 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Cerovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. Hello. Um, so, <laughs> Every time, I'm sorry. <laughs> even though our hellos are cheerful, um, there's not much cheerful to discuss regarding the Mets. Um, since the last time we recorded this, um, the Mets have lost three out of four to the Marlins and then were swept by the Phillies over the weekend. So they went from like a three-game lead in the NL East to two and a half games back of the Phillies and half a game back of the Braves. So the Mets are in third place right now. And uh, they are currently in weather delay against the Nationals as we record this on Tuesday night, August 10th, um, with a potentially lengthy weather delay ahead, but already losing that game as well. Um, So yeah, things are really, really bleak. And they just, they look awful right now on like every, every level and every facet. Like, Mostly the hitting, um, they're just not hitting as a team, especially with runners in scoring position, but really at all. Um, and even though his like overall numbers as a Met so far aren't like super good, if you look at them like just on paper, like Javier Baez being potentially hurt is a problem because he's basically played a role in the very few games that they have won 
over the past like yep. week and a half. And they have no shortstops currently. Yeah, nope. it's Jonathan VR is the only guy on the team that can play shortstop right now. Blender's injured. Who's healthy? Baez is injured. Guillaume injured. Peraza. Peraza's injured. Like, so it was such oh. that um, when God Baez hurt himself, so Baez hurt himself on Sunday, swinging the bat. Um, it looked like he like winced in pain when he was swinging and he like grabbed his hip. And so they pulled him with what they called hip tightness. Um, and, you know, they after shortly after that occurred, they pulled Wilfredo Tovar from his game in Syracuse because um, they need another player on the roster that can play shortstop if Baez goes to the IL. Right now, it's looking like he won't. They're claiming that, of course, because it's the goddamn Mets, they're saying that actually, and he's not in the lineup. He was not in the lineup tonight before uh, the rain rolled in. Um, and the Mets were saying, you know, actually, it's not his hip tightness why he's not in the lineup. He's experiencing some lower back tightness, but don't worry, he's available off the bench. And you're just like, so he has two different types of tightness and he's available. <laughs> Pull off the bench very, very smart. Good. I know we'll get to this later, but is is Zach Scott's really surprised why nobody on this team trusts the training staff? Right. Yeah. Right. Like, like we still don't have a diagnosis for DeGrom either. Yeah. DeGrom is just like in pain and they don't know why. They Scott's know why. Right. They're not telling us why. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's they're not giving us an official diagnosis and they're not no. they're saying that there's nothing on the MRI that would indicate anything. So we don't He's know. due for another one on the 13th. So very, very good. Um, so things are really bad right now. Um, and you know, obviously this latest stretch of play is Basically, there's no excuse for it. The team is playing like crap and it's really bad. But a big part of this is every team, listen, every team, even the really good ones, go through some stretches where they have a losing streak. Every team over the course of a 162 game season will have a losing streak eventually, even if it's not like, you know, a 10 game losing streak or whatever, they'll have a period that's bad. The problem is, is that the Mets did not build up enough of a lead when they had a chance to weather a losing streak like this. Instead, a losing streak like this dooms them, more or less, which is not good because they had every chance to build up a, a sizable lead in the NL East because the rest of the division was under 500 for the entire first half. So the Mets could have easily built like a 7, 8, 10-game lead, and they just <laughs> didn't. They treaded water. And this is what it gets them because they can't afford to lose six in a row or whatever, because then they'll be in third place. And here we are. We said, like, but, literally I mean, the, said the, this pi- last the week. Pirate, the Pirate series was really what killed them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to, again, excuse them, but the early season where pretty much the entire roster was injured and we were having schedule issues between COVID cancellations and weather postponements. And I mean, that to me affected them very early on. Um, well, even I called the, it back then. I was like, they, they look like the 2015 nationals to me. Yeah. And I, I called it back then. And now all of a sudden everybody's saying they're the 2015 nationals. I was like, where were you months ago? <laughs> right on my level, everybody. The vibes Seriously. were already there. The vibes, the vibes were, were totally there. The vibes yes. were pre laid. And like, I, I, I just feel like, I just feel like 
like I'm taking crazy pills because I literally said on this podcast last week, every team is capable of a six game winning streak, no matter how mediocre they are, even the Phillies. And if the Phillies rip off a six game winning streak, the Mets are toast and look where we are. They literally happened. They're at eight games right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's what was also frustrating is everybody's like, eh, they're in first place. The National League East is so bad. It's fine. No, it's not fine. It was never fine. Even McCann was like, we can't, we can't keep saying that. Well, where was that months ago? He's like, we need to start showing urgency. Where was that a month ago? You let these teams hang around. They made trades at the deadline because they thought they were still in it. And now look what happened. They didn't make enough trades though. No, they, no, they the other they didn't treat that. That's like another almost like another can of worms. No, I mean the other but, teams made trades. Oh, the other teams made trades. I was gonna say the Mets made like two trades, one trade, one, one, one big trade. one, one Except trade. It, and it, well, Rich Hill, I guess. I guess Rich Hill. I guess two trades. But like we needed more starting pitching. We need everything. Uh, we needed everything. Bullpen. Just, be- just because the depth, the depth has been so tested. Not just tested, it's been failing. Just <laughs> everybody's been getting injured. Everybody. Um, so you really needed uh, to me, the priority was starting pitching no matter what, because I feel like we've been pitching with three fifths of a rotation this entire season, whether it be DeGrom, Walker, and Stroman, or DeGrom, Walker, and McGill, or Walker, Stroman, McGill. It's, it's just, it, I've, there was, has not been, I don't think one week where we've had not one week, two turns in the rotation where we've had the same five people. It feels like I could be wrong, but that's what it feels like in April. It was in April, in April, they had the same rotation for a while to start the season. I was going to say for like, for like two turns and that's it. But like, (laughs) like I was ranting in Slack the other day. They have nobody who can go past five innings. Yeah. Which is also, maybe which is, goes six, which is also very that, bad. Yeah. Like you have an entire rotation of like five and dive guys, which is not sustainable for the bullpen at all. No. You, which, can have, and, you can have those guys as your four and five starters, but you can't have those guys as every starter as the entire rotation. Like Carrasco could be good, but he's not stretched out. No. So you can't have him go past the fifth inning. Walker's clearly exhausted because he hasn't pitched a full inning and I mean a full season in a couple of years. So he can't go beyond five. McGill has fallen apart after five, which was very obvious the last game. So and then then you wonder why, you know, Castro isn't as good. Familia isn't as good. Diaz isn't as good because you keep going in the same guys all the time. They're stressed and considering, considering bullpens in previous seasons, this bullpen has been, I think better. really good, better, except now they're more taxed. They're way overtaxed right now. It's only now. a matter of time before like May and loop are the only ones who have been really good recently. And yeah. how long is that going to last? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they've of, of like the offense, the defense, the pitching, they're the, the starting pitching. They're the group that's been the least injured which is shocking which is very shocking it's amazing i mean like they they did go through it's it's been more the long men that have been injured um the long men and spot starters because like gazelman sean reed foley like all those uh, peterson 
Um, well, Peterson was never in the bullpen. He was but, no, that's true. I'm sorry. Whoa, um, brain, but brain those fart. guys have spent time as long men, and those are the guys. Those are all the guys that have gotten hurt. But mo- the high leverage guys have all been healthy this year. Yeah. The only the only thing was the only uh, injuries were both Seth Lugo and Drew Smith started the season on the injured list, but they are both back now. And so the the high leverage guys have been remarkably healthy all year. Familia, I think, was on the IL. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. on the IL for like two weeks. Yeah, it was like the minimum, and then he came right back. Um, yeah, because he had like a hip impingement, I think. Um, so yeah, it's but they they're gonna start getting hurt if they keep being overused like this. I mean, just in the past week, I think Aaron Loop threw three days in a row. I think Trevor May threw like three out of four days. Um, and these are in games that they're losing because they have nobody else. <laughs> I mean, this is even if they're not injured, they're clearly fatigued right now because they have been they've carried this team because the starters haven't been able to go long. That's all there is to it. And and, so bravo to the bullpen. And the person they did trade for, Rich Hill, is another five and dive guy. Like that doesn't even look good. Like, yeah, great. He's a healthy body that you can put in the room. But he doesn't give you the innings. I mean, he was the he was literally the best starter last week. He was the only guy that that didn't give up more than one run last week. (laughs) (laughs) Which that's that's our again by Dick Mountain. Dick Mountain. Um, but it, I put this square. I still, I still, I mean, yes, the, we need, we need more depth from, we need more length. Sorry, not depth. We need, we do need more depth period, but we need more length from our starters. Yes, that is a thing, but I still put this squarely at the feet of the offense regardless, because yeah. all of the games yes. in the past week, they lost, they only won on Wednesday. So they, they lost three out of four of the Marlins and they were swept by the Phillies. All of those games were decided by three runs or less. All of them. So and none of them, the Mar- they weren't blown out in any of them. And then the Marlins just got absolutely destroyed by the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, literally. Oh, oh, the, and Keith was on and on about the scrappy Marlins. It's no, like the they're scrappy, but they're bad. No, the, Mar- the Marlins are bad, but they always give fits. Uh, the Mets always have fits with them. But then how can I don't know what easily I don't I don't I don't know what it is about the Mets and the Marlins, but the Marlins have always been in the Mets craw. And I I mean, I'll say that they always play. I'll say that they always play like their stupidest games of the year against the Marlins, like regardless of whether they lose or win, like the freaking the the I would argue that the the most nutso game of the entire year was a Marlins game, which was the although the 15 to 11 Reds game is a close second, I think. But the most nutso game of the entire season was that Khalil Lee Janeshwi Fargus Marlins game. Um, with the, with another, like Pat, Ms. Patrick Mazika, like Jesus Christ, like that game was, um, insane. And that was a Marlins game. It's just like, they always play the weirdest baseball against the Marlins in both good and bad ways. Mostly bad. Mostly um, bad. And but, I know this is, I think this is almost a decade. Oh my God. A decade ago, but that 20 inning horror show yeah, where okay. nobody wanted to score. But like and a good sc- team can figure it out though. This isn't a yep. good team. No. And the freaking David Wright final game where they didn't want to mm. score oh. when no one wanted to score. That was also a Marlins game, oh. by the way. Peter O'Brien. 14 innings. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah, I think it was 13-14. And Austin Jackson was the walk-off hero. Yes, that's correct. But you know what? At least they won. But At they, least they won that it one. It was literally 0-0. Zero, zero. 
Yeah, but it was Nobody a dumb baseball scored game. for 13 innings. And like, you know, the, in this most recent series, the Marlins tried to give them a game back by making an error in the ninth inning and they or two errors and they just decided they didn't want to. Well, that's like the Phillies, too. They try to give them games. They, they literally the aren't a good baseball team. I'm they sorry. literally gave up back to back to back to back home runs. In the ninth inning, Alec Bohm is like a to- horror show at third base. Yes. Yeah. Like, just, but just they, hit they every ball a, to him. They ha- and they had two guys they on base score, with less though. than two outs. And then at the heart of the lineup just all struck out. Yeah. It was, well, a lo- uh, who it was, was it? Well, it, well, they hit the back to back to back to back. Yeah. And then, and then Alonzo so guys got on, struck out. Yeah. You know, yeah, they pinch at McNeil. He like grounded out or something, whatever he does. Then um, I think it was ground out, strike out, strike out. Yeah. Alonzo so, and JD Davis struck out back to back to end the game. Yeah. On like the same pitch. On the same pitch over and over. The and Mets, he just kept, he didn't change. He threw the same four, 94 mile an hour fastball. Ian in Kennedy the same is not spot. good. Ian Kennedy is not good. How he, do you get gassed up on a 94 mile per hour fastball? Mets, from apparently, he is good. Against the Mets. <laughs> the Mets See, cannot hit a fastball out of a goddamn paper bag right now. And well, it's they even did a bullpen game. The Phillies bullpen is trash. And they couldn't even hit Hector Norris. Nope. Yeah, like it's literally Hector Norris. They be- started Ranger Suarez. And then the, well, Rojas loses his mind because, oh, no, it's a lefty. Oh, and he was like, oh, we're going to get our the righties are going to get us a lead. And then we'll take it from here. Yeah, that didn't happen, Rojas. They're getting they're <laughs> they cannot hit. They cannot hit fastballs that are free. They can't. I'm, but I'm just I'm frustrated that this is what the manager comes out and says and has said multiple times and it's just like okay now the opposing team knows to just throw complete fastballs no i think they already know that they know that but it's just like they know that but to to hear it publicized to me adds another layer to it but when you have to change your entire lineup because you're scared of literal ranger suarez (laughs) <laughs> there's a problem well i mean maybe if, conforto? maybe if conforto would get a single hit off a lefty that would be helpful <laughs> or if you would calm down for two goddamn seconds see the only I, one who can hit the only lefties who can hit lefties in the mets lineup dom. are dom smith and brandon nimmo but did he, but he benched dom yeah he benched dom in one of the games you know who we need we need wilmer flores back no I'm just kidding. I mean, oh, well, I'm not kidding, but you know, and, and actually Javi Baez is one of the few people yeah. in the lineup to hit lefties. And yet he's not well, JD in the used to, but hurt. I just don't think his wrist is okay. No, yeah, he's playing. JD's, if you're playing, he's hurt still. Then ugh, it's, it frustrates me There's that he's playing else through an play. injury. Yeah. Look, yeah, because there was an article the other day that was like his wrist isn't 100% and he has to manage it. Then why is he playing? Why is he playing? Because that's a slow reaction time in your hand is you obviously kind- going to be affect- affecting your batting. Yeah, and it zaps your power. Like, how is he supposed to How is he supposed to swing? Genius move to not uh, get Chris Bryant. It's a 10-day IL. Which um, I think, no, ten day, the 10-day minimum wouldn't be good enough. Obviously, yeah. but yeah, he should be on the IL. Um, and then what what compounded what compounds the frustration is that Zach Scott comes out today 
and has this presser that makes me want to throw my computer out a window. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, I get it. Like, I get the whole, like, I'm going to do, a, like, I don't know, like, tough love or, like, transparency and say, like, I, it, it's right. I think saying, you know, there's no beating around the bush. The team has been really bad is a good thing to say. But he also kind of went too far with it and threw the players under the bus completely. Like you, you yourself, you can't just say accountability is talking about accountability for other people and not taking any accountability for yourself. Like, yes, the players are underperforming. That is true. But he's not taking any responsibility. Who built this team? You did. Mm -hmm. You built this team. Where's the accountability for you? I was going to say like, oh, they're all failing at their jobs. They're all playing poorly. So also they're. Also, they're not managing their injuries right and they won't drink water or like whatever the hell. And is, he he said most of the time it's compliance issues. So he's refusing like he's he's copping for management and shielding them from criticism by saying it's the players who are mismanaging the injuries. No, no, no. It is your job to be the adult. No. It's not, like it's your job to manage your personnel. That is management's job. And also like <sighs> You had all the, he said, oh, this is a mediocre baseball team. We've been playing mediocre baseball all season. Well, who built that mediocre baseball team, huh? That was you. You, who did. you, did. you and you. your boss. Yep. Who you didn't crazy. trade for other players at the trading deadline when you, when you could have? That was you. You I focused mean, this, on Trevor Bauer instead of George Springer. Well, that was. Uh, Whose decision wait, was, was that? Port, port, was Potentially Porter, Jared Yeah, Porter, Porter? was out. No, I was going to say Porter, Porter, I think, was out before the whole Bauer. Yeah, he was. He was. was. Porter and, was and out in January. So, but, Bauer but, signed. But to me, see, this shows Zach Scott's inexperience at a general managing position. Um, and again, Trevor Bauer still reeks of Sandy Alderson. Yes. Just based on past signings, past attitudes, this, it just, I can't. I don't want to say I can't blame Zach Scott, but I think he had less to do with that than we might assume. And I'm just, uh, it was so frustrating because he had, he, so he had that presser this afternoon as we record. This oh God, that was, that was just horrible. And in the, <laughs> and in the aftermath of that presser, I saw a bunch of the, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names, but I saw a bunch of the same old, you know, armchair GM types on Mets Twitter being like, I'm going to praise, I praise Zach Scott for his transparency and accountability. And I'm just like, he's not going to hire you. No, He's not going to hire you. Also, stop being such a shill. (laughs) Like, I'm so sick of that stuff. Like, stop being such a shill for management. Like, when when has there ever been accountability for anything? Has Sandy answered questions about Mickey Calloway? Right. That's exactly it. That's exactly oh, it. Man, like, like management has never been held accountable for any of the things they what, did. Were the Wilpons ever held accountable for anything? No, I mean, they were, they were held accountable by fans, but fans only have so much power. Yeah. So that, and that's what it, it comes wasn't down to. They were gone that all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, they had a toxic culture. Well, why didn't anybody change it until they were already gone? And I mean, I, there could be the, there, still could be the argument that it hasn't changed and it's just lip service. Like, but that's, that's also kind of touching on what we're going to talk about next. Like you're, you're praising Zach Scott's accountability for the on the poor on field play, which don't get me wrong. Like 
I'm as frustrated as everybody else about the poor on-field play. But as far as like what deserves accountability in your organization at mm-hmm. this moment, that's pretty far down the list. Like where's the accountability for almost signing Trevor Bauer? Where's the accountability for, you know, hiring a sex pest as your GM? I was going to say, another- how did Zach Scott get that position? And another sex pest as your manager for many years. Where's the accountability for how you treat your minor league players? Where's the accountability for any of that stuff? There's none of that. There's been no accountability for any of that. But oh, yeah, him saying, oh, we're mediocre baseball team. That's the pinnacle of accountability, apparently. I was going to say, like, Zach Scott only got that position because they hired a sex pest before him. And And they had to fire him. Yeah, they had to fire him. (laughs) Oh, no, I think he resigned. He did resign. Okay. No, they fired him. Oh, they fired him? Okay. No, they fired Porter, like, the next morning. Yes. It was, I mean, okay. It's hard to keep track of, because I think there were, like, a bunch around that time that were getting fired, resigning. Going back to, like, things the Mets deserve credit for and things they do not. Things the Mets deserve credit for. Firing firing Jared Porter very quickly after the the news broke. Things the Mets do not deserve credit for how Sandy Alderson talked about his firing after the fact. Do not yes. forget, never forget the fact that Sandy Alderson was pissed about having to field questions about this whole thing. He acted as if it was an inconvenience to him and that this was some sort of like lynch mob coming for him. See, and that's why I can't give credit to that, to the Mets for firing him quickly. I, again, it shows that Sandy Alderson does not care um, about certain perspectives when hiring people. Yep. He should not have been hired in the first place. And they said the culture would change and there's been absolutely and it's not. no evidence. Again, it's li- to me, it's lip service right now. And I just um, and not just on the Mets, uh, not just on the Mets, um, from the Mets perspective, it's just all of baseball, all of baseball. It's lip service right now. Oh, and 100%. I just would love, I just would love the types who are praising because it's the, the Venn diagram between people who are like tweeting about how much they loved Zach Scott's presser and how it showed accountability and like the like Uncle Stevie Twitter. Like that's Ugh. that's a circle. That's a circle. And the and people just, who are mad at Pete, too. Yeah. Yeah. And the same people who are mad at, at Pete because sports and we've talked we talked about this last week. This circles back to the email that we got last week about the Kumar Rocker situation. This is all designed to set you up to be anti-labor in every situation and pro management. Mm-hmm. Every situation. And I would just love these people to tell me what evidence there is that this current regime is any different than the previous regime. There is currently one parentheses, one piece of evidence, and that is the Francisco Lindor extension. What else have they done? Point me to it. What else have they done besides extend Francisco Lindor? And I'm not saying that's a minor thing. Like, that was great. What else have they done besides the Francisco Lindor contract that is any different than what the Wilpons would have done so far running this team? What is different? Clearly, they're still having strength and conditioning issues. They're still mismanaging (laughs) injuries and lying about it. They're still not paying their minor league players, despite now having the richest owner in the sport. They're still screwing up their draft very publicly and doing lol Mets shit all the time. They're still, you know, like not taking money at the deadline, not taking money at the deadline of like cheaping out and signing James McCann instead of JT Rio Muto. That's like the most Will Pond thing you could possibly do. They're still doing they're still acting exactly like the Will Ponds would have acted. So how are things different? 
Where I, is the accountability? Again, I think that's also part of Sandy Alderson's trying to uh, his frugality. And that needs to change. Um, just like when he was first named president again, I was like, okay, this is cool. But at the same time, it felt like a rehash of things that were long gone and shouldn't have been addressed just because it's a new culture. You kind of don't want to have that same old, the same old, same old. And yeah, it just, it just like, to me, it was, it was, it was a nice nostalgic move, but it was not the right one. And I get you needed like a person, like a baseball mind. If you were going to bring in all new people, you needed somebody who's been around the game and could like kind of help steer the ship. I get that. But besides Alderson, like, I think all their money, they they didn't overhaul the miners, which they said they were going to do. All those guys are still there. So. And the minor league or minor league players are still treated like shit. Yeah, they're still there. The, the Cyclones are awful this year, which they probably should never fired Fonzie. And it's it was brought into the spotlight, and we just got a Steve Cohen tweet saying we're looking into it. Yeah, I think. Yep. And hey, you know it shouldn't have taken this long to have looked into it since someone did the numbers for you and did the research for you. Yet well, nothing's been done. And we will circle back to the minor league issue in the second half of the show for sure. But one thing that I will say is another thing I've been seeing a lot of from the Uncle Stevie crowd, for lack of a better phrase to call them, is like, oh, you know, have some patience. This was always going to take time. You know, it's his first year. That is such revisionist history. It's incredible. Because when he came on, the, the immediate, like, tenor around the team was always that we are going to win this year and we're going to win now we're going to win a world series within the next three to five years and as things stand right now with the way the the state of the team right now it is hard to envision how they can build back up to contention next year given the holes that they have if they did they didn't i they tried i get it they bought in lucchese they bought in yamamoto like these are major league quality arms that got hurt i get it but they're also not people that you should have built all your hopes and dreams around and just assumed Syndergaard would be fine Carrasco would be fine jake would be fine the entire year uh, walker would be fine the entire year like there was no it, there was they kind of half-assed it again that's all it comes down to is they oh Obviously, they put all their eggs in the Bauer basket and that blew up in their faces. And this is what you get. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. Like, oh, have some patience. You know, it's his first year. Like they were supposed to win this. And year. he they said he was spending contend. money. The only person he spent money on was Lenore. Like, I'm going to need to see more. Like, I'm not like, you know, again, like I'm not. I it's don't know. A, it's a nice big splashy move. Lindor was a great splashy move. But there was nothing built to support that move. That should have been the start. Yes. And, like and even, as- even if you didn't sign anybody that like of that stardom, there still could have been much better support, better starting pitching, um, obviously better minor league development since our farm system's pretty 
there are some great prospects, but it's very top heavy. And then you kind of fall down. Well, and then um, Walker, did they even realistically think, well, this is what Walker would be like? No, they no. not first half Walker. I mean, like they got lucky with they because, got very you know, lucky. They mm-hmm. got lucky because as as we've said, obviously, like luck is the only reason that Trevor Bauer is not our problem. Our, I mean, by our, huh. I mean the Mets. He's obviously uh-huh. a problem for baseball, not just for the Dodgers. Um, but the only reason that that the Mets are not saddled with that is is luck, not not because of any that any lack of desire and his choice. And on top of that, like Taiwan Walker pitched just as well as Trevor Bauer in the first half on the yep. field, just as well. So the Mets actually got Bauer level air quotes production from the guy that they signed instead. So they got very lucky, <laughs> and you know now. Things are regressing, um, but you know the Dodgers. Look at them; they have the depth that it didn't even matter that the star pitcher that they signed is is out for you know the foreseeable future, possibly out of baseball forever. Hopefully, out of baseball forever. Hopefully, cross they, your fingers. They're able to just wash their Trade hands of it and walk away. They, they they and they've built that depth up for years and we've seen it year after year after year. Someone goes down, someone comes up and is good in their place. Not only that, but they spend the money to do it. They are, have been one of the highest payrolls in baseball for the past. I don't know how many years, at least I would say five, if not more. In order for me, I mean, like, again, with regard to the on-field product, I am not necessarily out completely out on the current regime because like I will, you know, give them some time, I guess. Um, as far as the cultural problems, my patience wears much more thin. Um, but as far as the on-field product, I, I, I'm going to need to see Cohen go significantly over the tax next year because you have Robinson Cano's money coming back on the books and there is no way to avoid going over the tax and fielding like a playable baseball team. There's just no way to avoid it. So I'm going to need to see that next year to feel okay about the on-field product and the direction of the team from a purely baseball perspective. I don't even know where you... Yeah, there, where there's you like start. where you start on that I know, one. like, everybody was like, you couldn't have predicted the entire team not hitting for an entire season. Okay. That's... But you kind of could. You could. But at the same time, you have McNeil, who was one of the best hitters. You have Alonzo, who was supposed to be very. Conforto. Uh, like a, confor- See, I can't. Everybody's like really hating on Conforto, but he had COVID earlier this year. And if he had it in like any sort of severely, that messes with you so much. Well, let's and- him for not getting the vaccine on top of that. Yeah. Yep. So I have no sympathy for him. I'm sorry. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How they can possibly plug all these holes or like improve this team from where it currently stands in the offseason is a whole nother discussion um, that we will have on a different show. But for now, we'll just wrap up this discussion, this Mets part of the show, which is me asking you to like, are the Mets toast? Like, are they actually done? Yes. They've shown me nothing the entire season to tell me they're not. Like I, I'm an I don't know. That's fair. I'm honestly, I mean, on paper, on paper, they're not toast, right? Like on paper, they are they, plenty. They, they need close. Degrom back, and they need Lindor back. That's the yes. problem. Their whole team is Degrom and Lindor. That's yeah. become increasingly obvious. Is their whole team is Degrom and Lindor? But like, and on paper, on, they're not toast because you know a two and a half game deficit is not that much, but. They're playing like they're playing. Like, they're about to play the, the Dodgers off- and the Giants and the Dodgers and the Giants and the Dodgers and the Giants again. It's, yeah, it's, a, death, it's a deathly two weeks, two back to back series with them. Back to back to back to back series with them. I think I'm at about like ninety percent toast. But if they if they if they sweep the Nationals, I will. I will come back to, I mean, I'm going to, because I'm a stupid Mark, I'm going to watch the Mets no matter what, because I always do, because I, I don't know. I like pain or something. Bad baseball I, is better than no baseball. Yeah. I have my a, philosophy I, I have it. a chronic brain disease and it's called Mets fandom and I can't, it's incurable. <laughs> it's an incurable disease. And so I'm going to keep watching the games because I have nothing better to do with my life. Uh, and so regardless, I'm going to watch, but I am, like I, we've been through a lot of losing seasons. I watch plenty of Mets games in doomed seasons, even like mathematically doomed seasons, which this is not that yet. Um, but yeah, in order for me to be like, they're not like for me to not for me to start believing at all again, they need to sweep the Nationals, and they're already losing the first game. <laughs> so, uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like- think if they if they if they fail to do anything better than two out of three, like. And they really should sweep. Then Mm. I'm that if they don't, if they don't do that, then I think they're toast. Like yesterday was the anniversary of the Michael Conforto shirtless game. Mm. And I just, I don't, I don't see that magic here. It's, it's, it's missing. I I think honestly, a lot of it was Lindor's presence. Yes. He brought something there. He's still there. He's still in the dugout, but but that's not the same as being on the the field. No, like his, his defense was so sterling. I mean, obviously I shouldn't say it was sterling. He did make some errors, but overall considering past defenses over the years, which are some of the worst in the national league. It was one of the best this year, which to me, I still could not believe that when I saw it. Yeah. But he, he improved the infield defense so much. And, but just he, Diaz said he missed his presence because Lindor would come and and talk him, talk to him if Diaz was not doing well. Um, Just, just 
obviously this just to reiterate this team misses Lindor this team misses DeGrom yep yeah they do there's just no getting around it right now like I get the saying like you're never as bad as you look when you're losing you're never as good as you are when you're winning like you're somewhere in between Mm. but so the the in-between is a mediocre team that just could never get out of its own way yeah, the in-between of like when the Mets were winning and when they were losing is still pretty bad because yeah, they, they were going on like magic, like Mazika and Peraza and like the bench mob. Yeah, yeah. the bench mob being they were like, treading water before they were not like the, at no point this season where did the Mets go on a completely dominant stretch where they won no. like seven games in a row. That never happened. No, no, because yeah, you're relying too much on Jose Peraza and Patrick Mazika. <laughs> And I mean, obviously the bench mob did its job and did yeah. it well, and we but it's for not that, but sustainable. No. And that, and it was getting exposed just before people, but before the, the starters started coming back, which they haven't made much of a difference at this point, but yeah, <sighs> I don't, uh, I, I have the, I have the bread in the toaster. I'm just waiting for, for my toast. <laughs> I have the bread in the toaster. That's the, that's the name of this show. Already, already penciling that it's, in. It's loaded up. You know, you put the little the little handle down, and you know you hear the little e because it's warming up the toast. Yep, that's Just waiting state. for it to pop. That's the state. If they sweep and hope the, it's not burned. If they sweep, <laughs> if they sweep the nationals, you can like stop the toasting early, and then maybe you'll just have some warm bread. <laughs> They'll be sitting have on the that, precipice. Have that, have that just before it turns that nice. Perfect golden. brown, golden brown. That's just crusty. Yeah, it's just like a little, crisp, a little crispy on crispy. the edges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm kind of offended by the expression toast. Now that we're talking about it, because I enjoy toast. <laughs> no, I'm just. That's not. That's not. Yeah. You know, Linda, you're the no, one that started. You're the one that started this analogy. No, I did. No, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, toast. toast. Yes. That was me. I, I take full responsibility. You started it, but no, you took it literally, not literally. Well, I did. But you but, brought the food into it. But now that I'm thinking about it, toast is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so my God. The Mets are not delicious. Mets are not delicious. The Mets are delicious. I want to I spit the Mets back out at the moment. Speaking oh, of uh, burnt toast. Burnt toast. They'll be burnt toast because that's no good. Speaking of things that are not delicious, and I want to spit back out, um, <laughs> Major League Baseball and Barstool are in talks Oof. about a possible broadcast deal with a focus on in-game gambling, according to reporting from the Post. So that is a thing that dropped, I think, yesterday morning uh, that prompted a whole nother round of like Barstool discourse that I just was not excited about. Um, so this sucks on multiple levels because not only does this represent the continued embrace and integration of sports betting into the fan experience, which I do not think is a positive thing at all. Um, more importantly, Barstool is trash, known trash, and MLB is just embracing them. I mean, Hannah Kieser, I think that's, I'm sorry, Hannah, if I'm mispronouncing your name, had a tweet, a set of tweets about a year ago um, that just to me was the epitome of why Barstool is so terrible. Um, And just to kind of paraphrase, 
The problem with Barstool isn't just that it's a cesspool of racism and misogyny. It's that popular people and brands promote it, proving that talking about sports is still one of the best ways to launder bigotry into the mainstream culture. The reason sports culture often still feels oppressively and exclusively straight white male is because for a lot of people, that's the appeal of sports. Of course, there's a business model that caters to that, but you don't have to lend it credence. And I just, she wrote that over a year ago and it's just, it's still describes more true still, especially today, especially with even, even if this deal doesn't go through that they're even thinking about it shows that everything she said is still there and everything that women are complaining about people of color are complaining about. Even there are plenty of straight white men complaining about it too. So uh, it's just, it's bad. It's bad for baseball. Well, you can't claim you want to be more welcoming to fans Mm -hmm. and like more welcoming to minorities, be more welcoming to women and then get into this stool. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You literally poop this out. Yeah. They, they like Portnoy is literally a cartoon vision villain at this point. Has yes. he said the N-word? Yes. Is he a homophobe? Yes. yes. Has he made a rape joke? Yes. yes. Like, literally, like, the only thing he doesn't do is kick puppies, and I wouldn't put that past him now either. Well, he just, he referred to the uh, woman that tackled that guy at, oh my God, which team was it? I think it was the Dodgers game. Dodgers. Yes. The Dodgers game, he referred to her today as a rocket. <laughs> yeah. And has, like, and has this photo of her in a, in like kind of the most sexualized photo of her, not yeah. one of her tackling the jerk runner on the field, but this, but this, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh. I can't remember the word. Basically she did a that badass. Picture, yeah. She did a badass thing and Barstool's reaction is, oh damn, she's a smoke show. Yeah. Yep. She's hot. Yeah. That's like, all. This well, if you're hot, you also deserve to get raped, according to Portnoy. Oh, yeah. There's also that. So you can't be ugly because then you can't be involved with them. But also you can't be hot because then you deserve to be assaulted. So yep. his exact sure. quote, even though I never condone rape, if you're a size six and wearing skinny jeans, you kind of deserve to be raped, right? Okay. Good. So, yeah, but oh, that's what MLB wants to embrace right now. Yep. It's when their current Cy Young Award winner is on administrative leave for rape. Yep. It's like I I just like the hypocrisy and the lip service. Just it's everything, everything, all of their initiatives for inclusion are lip service. Well, That's what I took it as immediately. The, well, how many of those guys on the Dodgers who don't want Trevor Bauer in their clubhouse supports Barstool? Who makes rape jokes? The only one I've seen, and I love him for this. Strowman has been liking anti-Barstool tweets. I love him so much. So you have at least one major league player that is not for this. He feels like the only one though. Cause like, I know he does even the ones who are like usually cool about stuff, like even the ones who are not, you know, and, and, you know, the bar is kind of low here, let's be real. But the ones who are like, you know, not openly like anti-vaxxers and like openly homophobic and misogynistic on a daily basis, 
Um, oh, b- by the way, uh, pour one out for Aubrey Huff's Twitter account. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which, um, but like, do we even, have to? No, we don't. Even those dudes, like, still like, w- will follow Barstool and like consume their content because it's just like it's just bro stuff. Like, that's really what it is. It's just, like, it caters to bros. It's specifically for cishet white dudes. And that's, like, and again, it just sends the message that this is what this is who baseball is for. And all the players perpetuate it because they're all mostly that demographic. Well, um, and there's... A, a, like, Jeff I, McNeil has, like, been, you know, like, he doesn't necessarily, like, go out there and say Barstool is the greatest thing ever. But he, like, wears Barstool hats and, like, And I think he goes golfing with them all the goes time. Goes golfing too. with them. Yeah. And, like, so it's, like, even, like, the, you know, pretty, otherwise, like, pretty normal and good ball players, like, all, fo- like, if you look at my, because... We um a few a few folks I'm in a group DM with um and I did like an exercise recently where we like challenged each other to like look at our mutuals and who which of them follow Barstool and see who could have the lowest number basically <laughs> like oh. I follow the fewest people that follow Barstool and for me like I was I was really shocked at the number of people that I follow that follow Barstool until I went and looked which ones they are and it's all players of course yeah it's like it's and, and like and like Steve Cohen and Brody Van Wagenen and Howie Rose and of yeah like, and like all the Mets players. Speaking so. of the Mets, I'm just going to interrupt this for a second. The game's been suspended and will resume tomorrow at 4:10 p.m. There you go. Thank God. They just cancel it. Like who cares? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, do they, they have to play? Ugh. Well, they're now, still they're still numerically in this. Now, Louisville, 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 Louisville. Oh, there's a way you're supposed to pronounce it from the South, and that's not me. Sorry. No, it's Louisville. Okay. I don't care what the South thinks right now. They're they're fucking with us on the vaccine. No. No. Okay. So Louisville assistant um, AD. I don't know what that means. uh, Uh, Athletic director. director. Yeah. I thought has told students to cease NIL involvement with barstool sports. Now, this is the message from University uh, from Louisville. Um, we are advising all student athletes to cease involvement with barstool sports in terms of NIL activity. Barstool sports does not comply with the university of Louisville policies, and it does not comply with the criteria outlined in the Kentucky governor's executive order. If you have any questions, please contact blah, blah, blah. Thank you. So a college can say, please do not get involved with the, not just, Oh my God, not just any college, but Louisville. And, but and then, sh- I, I'm, I'm sorry, this is the first I'm hearing it, and I am shocked. Yeah, so they can send this out, but then B- baseball is like, let's jump right in with two feet. That's who we want to get involved with. He also has this like sketchy financial, not, not like just gambling, like stock. He's got a thing with the stocks, too. I'm not. Yes. I don't know what it is, but he's he very he's hypocritical. Some genius stock master. But he's it's very so, hypocritical about that, too. I, was I can't say, remember if, what it is. College but. football isn't exactly known for its standards. Oh, God. College football is terrible. But here they are. <laughs> Probably, I would say, worse it's, than it's, MLB. Yeah. Football, but, to me, football is way worse than, oh, than MLB. But somehow they're still able to distance themselves from Barstool. Especially Louisville. Mm-hmm. Louisville, guys, in Kentucky. I have so many issues with Kentucky. Starting with Mitch McConnell. However, it's just like, I don't know, like it's Kentucky. They have they have a good view on this. I mean, I'm sure there's Think probably like a sleazy 
something to this that I'm probably missing, but at least like the PR is there. <laughs> I don't know. The P the PR is there to me. That's much more of a statement than like every other university that has a major that has a, um, um, a division one football team. Yeah. And it's just like, not only does the show like just a complete lack of regard for like a big part of your fan base, but, and like sends the message that they don't belong. It's just like, this is just such a like, like such an open cash grab and it's just really sad it's just like demoralizing like like you could get cash if you just reached out to the people mm -hmm. you've been disenfranchising this entire time yeah we would like to spend money and we would like to feel involved but but rob manfred and his commissioner's office just continue to discourage every continue to discourage diversity among well, other things. Well, when he's ruining the game of baseball, but that's another can of worms. Well, yeah. when Luba is their ideal woman, yep. this is what you get. And like, they, make no mistake, like that, those are what barstool adjacent people look like. Like mm-hmm. Rachel Luba and Alyssa Rose are like the type of people who love barstool. <laughs> yeah. Because, because if you are the type of person who like that culture promotes, and you benefit from it, you obviously will uphold it. Noah's ex-girlfriend. Yep. She's the one that uh, has that the podcast. podcast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there was some nasty divorce there too with her and her partner or whatever it was. Oh, oh. I didn't know that. I didn't oh. know that, but. Yeah, now she's starting her own. Oh, okay. Oh, whatever. Well Good luck. I don't know why I know that. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I just remember that she had this podcast that was like really, really raunchy. I yes. don't, I, I, but like, see, that's the whole thing. That's, you can go back to sex cells, but come on. You want to develop something better than that. No, they don't. No, they, they don't. <laughs> but you know what? Some of us, some of us do. Some of us do. And some of us will keep trying to do so. Yeah. That's um, the whole thing. We're not going away. Yep. It's just so defeating. We're going to, we're going to hold people accountable. And you, you like people talk about cancel culture. That's not it. We just want to hold people accountable for the shit they say and the shit they do. That's all there is to it. Yep. Um, Speaking of holding people accountable, um, something that is actually getting some traction um, is the poor treatment of minor leaguers is continuing to get more and more attention. I alluded to this um, in last week's podcast and talk about it a little more in depth because um, Britt Grioli wrote recently wrote a, a feature in The Athletic that we highly recommend you read. Um, about this so this is like you know the the like third or fourth national article this year about this um and it's one of the more you know provocative slash in-depth um investigative you know reporting on this issue um but we'll we'll link it in the show notes not gonna go into a whole ton of detail about what's in it but it's just more of the same stuff like a lot of minor league players talking about like horror stories about the conditions they dealt with about like cramming four to five guys in like a one bedroom apartment and um, sleeping in cars and the terrible food that they eat and stuff like that. And uh, Robert Stock is actually quoted in this article um, a few times. Um, And uh, Caleb Joseph as well, um, who was on the Mets this year. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a really good article. We recommend that you read it. Um, And there has been, so we alluded to the Mets because obviously the Mets were one of the organizations called out by name by the advocates for minor leaguers way back uh, in a few months ago. 
now, right? Probably like a couple I, months I ago. I feel like it was not a few months. I feel it was more recent than that. And I, I alluded to, to it earlier without, without realizing we were going to talk. I knew we were going to talk about it, but I didn't realize that I was talking about it way too early. Yeah. Um, but, Sorry about that, guys. But they, um, but they, the Mets were one of the organizations that was called out by name by the Advocates for Minor Leaguers. Um, and obviously Steve Cohen uh, tweeted, like replied to the tweet about it saying like basically the tweet that was like, the Mets don't pay their minor leaguers housing stipends and they don't give them, you know, uh, pay for spring training and they don't do any of these things that you should be doing. Um, and Steve Cohen basically replied to the tweet saying, okay, we, we will look into that. Um, and then we heard nothing like radio silence for a long time. Uh, but I will say that there has been some I, emphasis on the word some progress on this front. Um, Dennis Young from uh, from the New York Daily News wrote an article a couple weeks ago um, that's titled Mets Begin to Improve Housing and Pay for Minor Leaguers. Um, so they started doing it. Um, they they uh, I, I will read from the piece. Players in high A Brooklyn will be reimbursed for the $10 a night hotel costs they had paid the team this season. At AAA Syracuse, players will receive $300 a month as a housing stipend. Um, and players uh, at extended spring training in Florida will receive back pay for the months that they trained for no pay. So that's like, you know, you didn't pay your minor leaguers for extended spring. So they're giving them back pay for that. Um, the Mets would not comment on the changes. The franchise is still working through its minor league policy changes, according to a team source. So they've like started to do things, but it's not enough because like they talked about like a comprehensive response and like all this stuff. Um so it's like they're doing like the bare minimum, basically, because they got called out. Um, but it's very easy to just write a couple of checks and solve the whole thing and just pay these people a living wage. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the tweet was on June 27th. So it was a few months ago. It just felt like it was it was it really feels like yesterday, but it's yeah. a couple months ago now. Oh, God. And this, that's the whole thing. This could so easily change. What was it like? I think six or $7 million. Mm-hmm. This could change. Yep. That's pocket change for Steve Cohen. Yep. But he needs another $91 million bunny though. Kellyanne. Uh. And you didn't sign Kumar. <laughs> think Rocker. of his foyer. His foyer could be better. His, art, of his artwork. You, you didn't sign Kumar. Rocker. There's $6 million right there. Pay your with his crappy artwork collection. He's like, and he's into modern art. It's just like mm. ninety-one million dollar bunny that looks like a balloon animal. <laughs> so we will continue to monitor that um, and keep you guys updated if anything happens on that front. Um, in the meantime, at least they've done better than nothing. Um, but it's not enough. But I, I would like to shout out um, the minor league baseball advocates, which is an organization made up of uh, former players, including uh, former Met Ty Kelly. Um, you know, they, they've done a re- they've done really great work. It's basically a combination of um, former minor leaguers and those with legal expertise, just, you know, bringing this issue to the forefront and forcing this issue, this issue, because without them, nothing would get done, no matter how much like people like us scream into the void or like mostly prospect people who know a lot more about the minor leagues and the conditions that they face, like they can scream into the void all day long, but like, that's not going to get owner's attention. Like, you know, national articles, which have only come about because the minor league advocates have been tweeting and speaking out. So 
shout out to them for forcing this issue and forcing change. And you should follow them on Twitter at MILB Advocates. Yes. They're a great follow. Follow them to get the latest updates on all of this. And shout out to all the players who've spoken to Brit and others about, about all of this. It's not easy. It's not easy to speak out about this because no. they're putting their career on the line by doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, and shout out to guys like Robert Stock who are like, you know what? Like, I'm a veteran at this point. Like, I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to talk about how shitty this all is um, and well, stick you know, up for the guys that are coming next. I can't remember who I saw tweet it, but it was a long time ago. Um, when the Mets signed Tebow, they're like, he could very easily use his platform and, you know, show the conditions how the minor leaguers are are treated like that could have been a good thing that came out of Tebow, the Tebow show but he that didn't happen I think there was too many expectations there oh yeah. my god but there was at least the opportunity there like oh wow I was never treated this way in football let's change this no it didn't. no because he, he wasn't treated that way because he still had a contract with ESPN yeah. So like but he he didn't miss the salary of minor leaguers and but he still had to ride the bus. He still had you know he saw the way they were treated. There's no way he didn't see, see that though. He didn't see, it, but he didn't care. He saw it, but he didn't care. Well, Which to me thing, fits yeah. with to me that fits with his kind of surface nice guy on the surface, kind of a jackass in real life type impression I have of him. Again, speculation, but. You get a very charlatan attitude and personality from him. And I always have. And like Robert Stock talked about this, but like he, you know, he was making like major league minimum or whatever he was making because he was on the Mets for a little bit. And like guys like that who are like kind of shuttled back and forth and they make the minimum, like they're often paying the rents of all these, like a bunch of minor Mm -hmm. leaguers because they're the only ones that can kind of afford it. And so he was basically spending like all his salary on like helping other guys. Which should not be a thing. I feel like Daniel Murphy did something like that too. For all of Murph's faults, he did do something like that. And which organization was it that was called out by name for not paying the minor leaguers like housing stipend and then the big league players basically like threatened to like pay the difference? Was it the, I know salaries. David Price, I thought. Yeah, David Price did that um, until the team was like, oh, okay, fine, we'll pay it. But basically yeah. that's what it takes is players speaking out. And often when it comes to the, like when it comes to current minor leaguers, like guys that speak out are often the ones that were forced to leave the game because of these conditions. And now they can talk about it because like, they don't have to risk their careers anymore because they've already decided to quit baseball. So yeah, it's forcing guys out of baseball. Definitely the best way to run a, a successful organization is forcing your players out because they can't afford to pay rent or eat. But we need accountability of the players. <laughs> yeah, but you're yeah, missing but accountability, the point, though. Accountability. <laughs> they shouldn't have swung at that strike three, so we're going to hold them accountable for that. Yeah. So. Priorities. Lord. Anyway, um, <laughs> this, the, even though there's not much uh, to be positive uh, about the Mets right now, I will share before we move on to walk off wins and the positive segment of the show, I will share one more positive thing, which is that um, IWBC reached back out to us 
um, and they are um, expanding. They're trying to expand um, their uh, operation to Rockford, Rockford, Illinois, uh, home of the Rockford Peaches, uh, the, you know, the girls, uh, the women's baseball team um, back in the day that is featured in a league of their own. Um, And, you know, they are trying to uh, raise money for that. Um, and so plans for the, the money include uh, an activity center for local kids, baseball centered education for students of all ages and preservation of this of the historic ticket booth um, in Rockford um, and more. So if you guys uh, have a minute um, to help out the International Women's Baseball Center, please, please, please take a minute to sign the petition, which I will link both in our show notes and in the tweets for this episode. Um, and you can also donate to the cause as well. Um, but you you will um, hear more from us about donations to IWBC in the future. But for now, you can donate to this specific cause Um uh, from the petition link as well. So if you, if money's not in the cards for you, that's totally fine. Um, but you can still sign the petition that is free. Um, so sign the petition. I think it'll really help them out. Um, so I'm going to try to get the word out about that. Link this in the show notes and the tweets. Um, so yeah, help our friends at the International Women's Baseball Center continue to do the awesome work that they do um, in Rockford, Illinois. So that'd be awesome. So thank you guys in advance. Um, help spread the word. Um, but yeah, uh, in the meantime, we will um, end the show like we always do with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk-off win for this week? I'm going to cheat and have two. Um, my first one is very bittersweet. Um, I had my last live story time at one of my libraries today because I have resigned and my last day there is on Tuesday because I'm going back to school. Um, and just to see all of my families one more time, the kids were so energetic and <laughs> they knocked me out. I won't lie. I was like sweating and purple by the end of it, but it was so worth <laughs> it just to, just to see them. And they were, they're always so energetic and wonderful and engaging. And I'm going to miss them very much, but I really enjoyed the story time today. And my other one is kind of silly, but I love it. So uh, I ordered a Tyler McGill t-shirt um, a couple of weeks ago and it's coming tomorrow. It's an, it's the orange t-shirt with uh, his player name in blue. It's the Jersey. And my mother today got me another Tyler McGill <laughs> Jersey with the opposite color. So it's blue with the, with the orange, orange text. It's great. So I'm going to post a photo of that when I get the, when I get the, Went tomorrow. I, I loved it. I was laughing. It's like, Amazing. oh my gosh, it's great. So Tyler, Tyler McGill, I support you a lot. <laughs> Just saying. You probably have the only two Tyler McGill jerseys, jerseys ever sold. Hey, you have to wear that not. to a Tyler McGill start. I know. You I have do. to. I have to figure out. I have to figure out when he's playing and go. <laughs> I have to see when he's playing, if he's, when he's playing, hopefully during the giant series, because I really want to go to the giant series to see, you know, who Wilmer Flores. Are you going to wear your Wilmer jersey? Yeah. Wait. Okay. Then I would have to wear, hang on. I got to plan this out now. Cause my, my Flores jersey, Flores jersey is blue, blue and orange. So I, I think I would wear the orange McGill shirt under it. Oh my gosh. I have to plan this out now. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This is huge decisions decisions now. This is just decisions. (laughs) 
But anyway, next walk I, off win while we, I while I work the, on this. We love the Tyler <laughs> McGill support. Um, Linda Surovich, what is your walk off win for this week? Well, I'm going to cheat and have two too. Yes. Um, my first one, as I've mentioned many, many times, I love the Olympics. I've been in an Olympics bubble for the past two weeks. I'm like kind of lost now. Like yesterday, I was like, what do I watch? Like there's nothing on because there's always a sport on. Like even like I would watch like field hockey between Argentina and India just because it was on and it was amazing. But um but my walk-off win is the United States women's court volleyball team who won the first ever gold medal for the USA women. Um, and cause I love volleyball. Volleyball was my sport as a kid. I played volleyball. And so the game was on at like 1230 at night. And I was like, I don't care. I'm staying up for this. I needed to see if they do it. Cause they were playing so well up to that point. And they just took it to Brazil in three straight sets. They were just playing incredible. And then um, one of my favorite players, um, she's been on like, I think three or four. There's two of them. Um, they were like the veterans of the group. They've been on like the past three um, volleyball teams. And uh, she got the final spike and got the final point. And then she just started sobbing after she got the point. And then like everybody ran rushed onto the court. Everybody's crying. Like I'm crying at home. Like, and, like, it was like, I forgot, like, you know, the emotion that sport can break out. That's good mm-hmm. instead of just frustration. <laughs> um, so it was just, you know, finally seeing my sport and I'm so mad that volleyball isn't bigger in this country. Like these ladies have to go play in Europe if they want to like have a professional career and volleyball de- deserves more respect. And you can see it also in an empty arena too. You can hear how like hard they were hitting the ball and it was, it was just awesome. So um, congratulations to the court volleyball team for winning the first ever gold medal and the ladies in general who kicked ass this Olympics. Uh-huh. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. But the more um, USA women won more medals than the men. So suck on that. <laughs> I was going to say, and I mean, I was, and I follow, I follow out sports and um, 56 of the a- athletes, the LGBTQ plus athletes earned medals and wow. it was um, combined. They came in seventh uh, overall, which was more than the countries that have anti LGBTQ plus laws, which I oh. thought was fantastic. That's awesome. Or than any country that criminalizes being LGBTQ plus. <sighs> that was great. Just the, just women, everybody, okay. not, not the typical stereotypical male athlete Yeah, where they were all doing fantastically. Yeah, see, so anybody who says a woman doesn't belong in sports, um, that's been thoroughly debunked, and people should just go to hell. put their head up their ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so go USA women. <laughs> or pull their tongue out over their head and swallow it. Yep. Simone Biles could, like, snap you in half, so just... yes. Yep. Oh my God. Just hold that. Just, take oh wait, no, we talked about seats. seats. Yeah. Take like a million seats. Um, well, no, anyway. take a seat on the floor. That too. The dirty uh, floor <laughs> that you have, that you have sp- spat out your disgusting ignorance on. 
so sit there and wallow in it. Sorry. Well, that's my first walk off with. Well, yeah, maybe all just the women in general. No, do your second one. Yeah, but that's my first one. Um, My second one is probably very similar to Allison's yet again. (laughs) 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 Was the uh, was the concert at City Fields we went to this past Wednesday? Yes, Wednesday. Yep. Yes. Um, well, I was very sad that Fall Out Boy canceled um, because they were the band I was looking forward to the most. Um, but uh, Vaz, our, you know, um, our fellow writer Vaz said he had an extra ticket. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's a night out at City Field um, with good music. I was like, can't hurt. Like they were like they were music I liked growing up, but they weren't like, oh my god, my favorite bands. But let me tell you, Green Day can rock. I they, love they, it. They totally blew me away. Like I literally couldn't move the next day. I was in so much pain. I was very sore the next day too. Oh my god, I oh I like every move I was like Maddie can you like go get me a sandwich or something because I can't get out of bed <laughs> <laughs> like I'm too old for the concerts now but oh my god um and uh, like the one thing that stuck out in my mind was um Billy Joe Armstrong saying put your fucking phones away we've been on our phones for a year just enjoy the moment yes that was and, so good. I love it and I was like that's so true like what we've literally been like attached our phones because we had nothing else to do. And so just to be there with people again and feel the energy of the crowd. And like he he mentioned that too, is that, you know, they haven't had that either. And that's why they do what they do. And like, they miss that. And so just to like, it was just kind of blown away by how normal it was. Like, even though, you know, I wore my mask still in like the concourse and the bathrooms and stuff, but, um, but it was just a fabulous concert with fabulous people, obviously. (laughs) Um, um, but yeah, um, I'm very happy I went, even if I was a little disappointed that Fall Out Boy had to cancel, but Shout out because Green Day, I think American Idiot came out when I was in high school. And I remember just seeing that everywhere. So it really took me back to like high school, seeing it in everybody's lockers on notebooks. And have you seen the musical? No, it's very good. Oh, I'm intrigued. Now I probably should go see because, yeah, like those, those are literally like it was like the soundtrack to high school. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm so old now. <laughs> How do you think Billy Joe feels? I know. <laughs> well, he's got to be pushing 50, right? Yeah. I think oh he god. is literally 50. He might be 40. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, it's been that long that I'm at high school. <laughs> he's 49. He's 49. Yeah, okay. he's 49. <laughs> You're right. fast. You were faster on the button than I am. I was going to say we won't we won't we won't age him cuz I'm sure he doesn't want to be known as the 50-year-old yet, but no. Um, what no like Kevin Richardson the Backstreet Boys is 50 what yeah oh, sorry I didn't mean to shriek <laughs> like, like we're old hard. now we're old just, just, <laughs> like Kevin oh wait that's not oh and Brian's son opened for them oh my god he's a, I can't oh I heard his song on Pandora I just can't stand it oh Kevin Richardson is also 49 but he's gonna be 50 in October oh, oh I forgot he had the same birthday as my dad I forgot. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah uh, when Kim, when Brian's son was the opener, I was like, that was our first clue. <laughs> yeah. And Nick, Nick is, I can't like, I can't wrap my mind around, around this. Nick is 41. Oh yep. yeah. Cause he was always the baby. Yes. Oh. But sorry, that's 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 going off the point of Billy Joel Armstrong and Green Day. But yep. yeah, now that I'm like thoroughly depressed, it was a really good concert. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's so Linda Linda spoiled my walk off win because that's my walk off win as well. I was also at the concert, um, but I will say that like so we bought so a bunch of us um, in Amazing Avenue um, bought these tickets in september of 2019 um jesus haze we had these tickets for two years before we finally got to go to the concert because of covid obviously but like the hella megator like i i i have never been i have never been more excited for a concert in my life because green day is my favorite band like bar none and fallout boy is one of my other favorite bands and i really love weezer too um so it was like three bands that i absolutely love including my favorite band at my favorite place in the entire world aka city field and so i have never been more excited for a concert in my life when we bought these tickets i like lost my mind i was like this is like if you dreamt up a concert for me to go to would be this um and so you know the fact that the morning of we learned that a, a, a member of the band's team we don't know who um tested positive for covid um uh, fallout boy um and you know they they made a point to say everyone's vaccinated so this was like a breakthrough case situation um but yeah it was that really sucked like i mean i'm not begrudging the band at all they made the right decision for everyone's health and safety i am not mad at them they made the right choice but it still was really it really sucked we had these tickets for two years and we got to see two thirds of the concert that we paid for. So I was like really bummed out, um, even driving up to the show. And like, I took a day off work for this because it got rescheduled. It was originally, you know, before COVID, it was originally going to be on a weekend. Um, and when it, when it was supposed to be in summer 2020, it was supposed to be on a weekend. And then when it got rescheduled to 2021, it was pushed to a random Wednesday. And so I had to take off work for it. We had to, and I got these tickets just to put it into perspective, everybody. I got these tickets before I even moved to Washington, DC. So I got these tickets before I even knew where I was going to be. And so I drove, Michael and I drove five, five hours to this damn concert um and fall boy didn't play so i was like really upset but that said this is a walk-off win it was still amazing it is still so cathartic to see live music for the first time since before covid um it felt so good and i really enjoyed weezer's set i thought they did an awesome job and of course one of my favorite parts of the whole show was um Weezer has this song called El Scorcho and it's one of my favorite Weezer songs. And one of the lines in the song is I asked, I asked you to go to the green day concert. You said you'd never heard of them. How cool is that? And so like, of course they did El Scorcho. And when they did that line, they literally paused afterwards. So the crowd could like lose their entire shit, which they did. Um, because, you know, obviously we were literally at a green day concert <laughs> when Weezer was playing. So it was just so fun. Um, and then, of course, Green Day killed their set, as they always do. I've seen Green Day, I think this was my sixth or seventh time seeing them live. Um, but, you know, it's always going to hold a special place in my heart because 
you know, Green Day is a very special band to me. American Idiot came out when I was 14. Um, and it's like one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and it, it's it's it, like it might it might not be like my favorite album of all time. But if you like talk about albums that have changed your life the most, American Idiot's number one. Like that was a transformative album for me in my youth. So um, I just love Green Day. They're my favorite band of all time. And I got to see them at City Field where the Mets play. So it's just like a confluence of everything I love. And so even though Fall Out Boy didn't play, it was still really awesome and I had a great time. And the company was great, of course. Well, Allison, I thought you made <laughs> such a good point when you said there was such a total difference between Weezer and Fall and Green Day. Oh my God. He was <laughs> like, my glasses are fogged. I know. Just the vibe between those two bands is very different. Um, Rivers Rivers is very nerdy, <laughs> the, the lead singer of Weezer. Um, and he wears like big horn room glasses. Yes. And just like at one point he just goes, my, my glasses are fogging up. This is awesome. And meanwhile, Green Day is just like, fuck you and fuck all We're going to lose our fucking mind. Lose your fucking mind. Put your fucking phones away. Let's go nuts. And it's just like the star. I feel like it just like they it actually played off each other very well. The stark contrast yeah. between Weezer's chillness and fall out boys just like i mean uh green day is just like complete over the top um behavior on stage i was gonna say like these are like they're obviously like seeing them in person like i only knew like two of their songs but it was fine because they were very good um just but just just to see (laughs) how that was the last song they played kellyanne yeah i don't care how good like they're very musically gifted like they're great musicians they were great live i that was the first time i had ever seen weezer um and i really enjoyed it um i had never i had seen uh, the only saving grace is i have seen fall out boy in concert once so at least i've seen them once um but i was eager to see them again unfortunately that did not occur but it was the first time i saw weezer and i was very happy that i got to see them because i really enjoyed their set yeah, I was gonna say like they're very like they're gifted musicians. Like they were very very good. But then, then Green Day comes out and they're shooting off fireworks. There's fire. <laughs> Green Day's on the just stage. very theatrical in a way that we <laughs> yeah. are. They're singing. They they were playing like Queen beforehand. Like yeah, to get yeah. the like the the uh, the the crowd hyped up. It's like yeah, it was like just complete like. Like Weezer relied on like their talent and their like not to say Green Day isn't talented, but Weezer like it was just them playing their instruments and they were very good at it. But then yeah, it was a whole and production. the bassist was wearing a Mets, a Mets hat, hat yes. the whole time, which was awesome. <laughs> Although somebody uh somebody uh I tweeted like a picture of him in his Mets hat, and somebody said that's big. Like I just came from the office vibes to the ballpark. Oh my god, it so was. I mean, like Weezer just kind of has that vibe to begin with. <laughs> like they were all just at the office and now they like showed up at the concert. <laughs> Part. Yeah, like, see, I had like a shirt and tie on in the mess. Yeah, it was so good. Um, yeah, so the show was awesome. It was just really nice to get to see live music again. Um, and it was it was really great. Now well I've made a drive. vow that I have to see Fallout Boy in concert. Yep, we got to do it. We'll find yep. a way. Yes. Um. So yeah, 
that does it for the show this week. Um, if you're still even remotely interested in anything regarding the Mets, you can go to amazinghappyhoot.com. <laughs> uh, we're still writing even when there's no one to read it because the Mets are bad. Um, we write regardless of what the Mets record is. Um, so you can go to amazinghappyhoot.com, check out all of our game recaps, analysis, um, morning news posts, weekly meters, all that stuff is there. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own. You can email the show own at gmail.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Kellyanne? At, e- <laughs> at L-R-B, E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. You can also subscribe to the show Amazing Avenue Audio on your podcast app of choice. Please um, subscribe to it as well as rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in the